Welcome to this House of Wrestling on Inside the Ropes exclusive interview. It is me, Nick Hausman, and I am joined right now by ECW original, BWO founding member, the Blue Meanie. Meanie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. Hey, well, thanks for thinking of me. It's uh, 2023. It's always nice to be uh, remembered and thought of to uh, do such an interview. Oh, come and, on uh, you're, you're such a gracious host. So <laughs> I got the full meanie dance and everything to start the, the show off here today, which I really like, by the way. Hey, it's early. Um, you know, the good thing, I just had a vacation in Ireland. And uh, the good thing about going overseas, which is six hours ahead, it puts you on the normal sleep schedule back in the States. So I'm actually awake right now. So, oh, good. A, and so you, so far. you went to Finn Balor's hometown, right? Yeah, we took a a rural pub tour, and uh, the 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 guy driver said, "Okay, on our last stop, we're going to Bray." I went, "Why does that sound familiar?" Bray I, and Finn Balor popped up. I was like, "Oh my god! All right, cool." So I shot him a little uh, message on the, the 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 Twitter machine. I was like, "Hey man, I'm in your hometown." I sent him a photo with, with the mountain. He's like, "Oh, I'll have a pint for me." And I was, <laughs> but I. It's cool. It's cool. It's a cool little town. You know, I'm surprised. I don't know. Does he do pints? Because he's got those abs. I don't think he has carbs. You know. I don't know. He <laughs> his action figure works out to look like him. Yeah. Some dudes are just like an action figure, right? Like yeah. Seamus is like an action figure out of the box, just walking around freakily, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, God bless him. He posts those workout videos, and I just I get blown up watching it. You know, just too much. God bless him. If if he could do all that, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, I I have enough trouble getting out of bed in the morning to go take a leak. Uh, it's well, just like it's not like you didn't spend your career like getting hit by stuff and falling true. down and all that, right? I just turned fifty, so yeah. I'm feeling it now. Physically, I'm okay. Mentally, I'm still 13. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Good. The steel line, there's a line I always use from uh, the relief pitcher from the 1993 Phillies, Larry Anderson. He said, uh, you're only young once, but you can be immature forever. Oh, that's a good line. I like so that. Every, every day I find a reason to laugh. And uh, even if it's my worst day, I try to find humor in something and laugh because laughter keep, you know, leads to uh, sanity you know yeah. oh absolutely well uh that kind of that's a good that's a good kind of segue here because yeah. i brought you on today uh specifically brian meanie whatever i can i call you brian it's weird for me to not call you that is that okay I, it's it's weird uh well it's not weird my grandma used to call me meanie at okay. one point so you know, it's all, right. all good I'll, I'll try to keep it to meanie respectfully here it's fine it's fine um i brought you on here specifically meanie because I was watching the Monster Factory series on Apple Plus, and holy hell, I love this thing. I, I yeah. am clamoring for a season two. I think it is wonderful for the business of professional wrestling that such a show exists. And you were in the season finale episode, which was great. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy for Danny and the Factory. He's been uh, working hard to, uh, you know, make that school relevant again i mean it, it was popular in the 80s and it kind of dwindled throughout the 90s and then uh now once he came along and I, I watched him and larry you know side by side 
and I saw, you know, heard Larry say, I was like, I heard Larry Sharp say, you're doing better with this than I could right now with, you know, basically it, it's like handing over, uh, you know, the, the family heirloom or something like, here's my uh, monster factory. And, uh, you know, Danny took it out of the doldrums and brought it into, uh, the, the media age. And, uh, he's, he's doing a great job over there coaching. I get over there when I can. I used to be over there every week, but you know, life gets in the way sometimes. And, uh, but, uh, I try to help out where I can. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, the show's fantastic. The only thing that's bad about the show is it's not longer. You know, I wish it was like a, I wish it was like a 45 minute episode. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Well, that was what you were, we were talking and you were saying that you could have done something much longer with all the stuff they were filming here. What did you feel like we didn't get to see that you would have liked to have been shown there on that episode? I mean, it's just like, yeah, just the, 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 the best thing about it's not, not the, it's not that it's the best thing, but to, to watch the struggle, you know, uh, it's the reason why shows like tough enough were so popular. You see the people chasing their dreams and, uh, facing adversity and uh, the best thing about facing adversity is overcoming it. And, you know, just, just a lot of different things. Yeah. You know, it could, the, the show is great, but you know, just, you know, just different things, you know, uh, adversity wise, you know, yeah, they, they, they can be shown, but then again, you gotta be grateful for what they give you, you know, uh, any kind of production, any kind of TV show like that when, and they went above and beyond. You know, especially in the COVID area, yeah, COVID era, you know, of filming that show, it, it was pretty hard to do. So, uh, I'm I'm very happy with the finished product that I, that they've shown. But you know, me, I'm a I'm a documentary junkie, so I'm always wanting I'm always wanting more. So, yeah, if if each each episode could have been like 45 minutes, it would have been even better. Well, yeah. and I'm also a documentary junkie. And I think that what I I liked most about the Monster Factory series on Apple was that it was the tone and the like professionalism of it because you you've seen it been a part of right some of the uh, cr crazier uh, documentaries in, in pro wrestling history and the business doesn't always come across great and you know what that there's right. a there's a case for that because sometimes the business is not great and I'm not saying right. turn a blind eye to anything but there's a real essence of pro wrestling that keeps people in pro wrestling despite all that negativity. And what I thought this show did an excellent job of doing is showing why people do this thing, right? Like Danny is so good in my opinion of presenting himself as this like relatable character. that You can like, you can instantly kind of put yourself in the room with him and anybody he's working with and uh, I just, I don't know. It's not really a question. It's more of an observation I wanted to throw well, at you based on what you said, you know. No, we're having a conversation. So mm -hmm. it, it's all good. And uh, Danny's a passionate guy. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes to a fault, uh, you know. Uh, but, you know, just he, he's doing a fantastic job over there. Just the fact that they're a part of the Paulsboro Wrestling Club. And uh, you get a mixture of the amateur wrestling, the pro wrestling. They got a gym built in there. Right. And then, you know, been, I've seen wrestling schools where it's just a ring in a small room and you fight for ring time. Well, here it's there's so much structure. If you want to go lift weights, go over there, lift weights. If you want to, you know, go do cardio, there, he, he'll, he'll cardio the hell out of you. <laughs> yes. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm t- I'm tempted to join in, but then I'm like, eh, you know, I'll be over here. You know? <laughs> I mean, when he's telling you it's okay to throw up, which I think he says like several times in the series to people, I I'm out. That's I don't know. You guys do you do your thing. That's yeah, that's uh, that's how you know you've had a good workout. You know, uh, <laughs> I've only thrown up once just from uh, working out and uh like early 2000s a buddy of mine was going over to the new japan dojo just for a tryout so i was like you know i'll come along this is like in my skinny mini phase sure and, uh i was like holy shit <laughs> it's just the, the 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 uh the what they put you through and you know this i'm walking like the tin man walking out from all the uh the, the free squats and stuff like that but you know danny may will make sure i mean you got to make sure the cardio cardio is the most important part of it you know because if you can't breathe then you can't think and if you can't think then that's where accidents happen and injuries happen you know so you know daniel make sure you know what you know you're in tip-top shape just before you even get into the ring so when you look at the lay of the land right now and you're and you're watching these young talents come up do you think it is easier or harder to become a successful pro wrestler now than when you were breaking into the business. Oh, it's definitely harder now. Uh, harder now. Okay. I think so. All right. Uh, uh, when I broke in, um, I was fortunate the way I broke in you know, with Al Snow. Uh, there, cause there's so many bad trainers out there. And I went to him on blind faith from a woman I had never met named Phyllis Lee. And, uh, you know, she, I, I met her because I was actually going to go to Malenko's wrestling school. Okay. I'd seen the Malenko's versus the Bulldogs from all Japan. I, and I fell in love with the Malenko's and I found out they had a school and I was going to go. And long story short, the cost of living in Florida was a bit much for what I had saved. But then she said, well, there's this guy in Lima, Ohio named Al Snow. Uh, it's X amount of dollars and you live in the school. So, you know, I lived in that physical school and I would do night sessions and day sessions and I work, would work out doing both. And, uh, you know, it's working out with guys who's traveling down from Canada, Michigan, Ohio. But uh, through training with Al, I, I made so many contacts, you know, with like Sabu and all this stuff. So when I moved back east, it was easier to just show up at an event and get familiar with the promoter like Dennis Corluzzo, uh, Dennis Whipwreck in Maryland. He's going all over. Now, you're in this day and age, you're fighting for some kind of, there's a lot of real estate that's taken up. You know, it's, it's almost as easy as it looks with social media, it's almost as hard because you're fighting for eyeballs. You're fighting for that. 10 seconds of attention span for people to look at you where back in the day we weren't so overstimulated with social media and stuff like that. We actually paid attention to things. So if I sent you a tape, you know, if you record over your best porn to send a promoter, a tape for an audition, mm-hmm. and sometimes you get the, you get the, the job just because, you know, they found the porn at the end of the tape. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, yeah. You're booked. Yeah, let's do it at the end of this snow here. Oh, he, you're he, saying this like this actually happened. Did this actually happen to you? Has this happened, Meanie? Oh, yeah. I've, oh, wow. I've, yeah, it's shit. I don't have $7 for a tape. 
the sack yeah q creed's my sacrifice you know my sacrifice this because that's what i'm li- I'm listening to creed when i'm i'm watching pornography that's those two things go hand in hand right yeah when you are near me uh but no this it's almost harder now because uh you get back in the day you could go to an event hi i'm brian uh i understand you have a your card's full, but if there's an opportunity, my bags are in the car. And plenty of times, Dennis Corlews will go, hey, Bri, somebody's stuck in traffic. You're on third. Hmm. Go get your bag. Now, you have to almost go to uh, a boot camp to try out for, you know, the uh, spot, you know, to maybe work the pre-show battle royal or something like that. It just it seems a little bit harder to find real estate in today's pro wrestling. Yeah, it that's a that's a good point. You know, I guess when I think about, you know, guys like Effie or Warhorse or Dan House, you know, those 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 guys that took a hold and made the indies something for themselves without even really needing a major promotion. Of course, then the major promotions come calling for many of them. Yeah. But for every one of those, there is like a thousand other guys and women just trying to like figure it out, right? That are just Hard. bumping around in a gym and like trying trying to find that light bulb moment, you know, where they can figure out how to put put where they're at to where they're going next kind of deal you know yeah with the uh and that's the thing it's like you can train all day work out all day but most of the most important thing about pro wrestling is getting out in front of people um you know if i'm a stand-up comedian and i'm practicing my routine at home and doing and doing and doing and doing and get my timing down that's great it doesn't matter i have to get in front of people to learn the timing of the bit, the pacing of the bit, the uh, the spacing for laughter and stuff like that. That's why, you know, some of the great comedians like, you know, Dave Chappelle still does open mics just to test out new material. George Carlin did it. You know, you would see him showing up, you know, trying out stuff for his next HBO special. You have to get in front of the people. Yeah. You know, uh, the people are, it's a lot to ask people to leave their homes uh, it's 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 something to ask people to leave the comfort of their home where they could just sit on the couch and go like this this is all they have to do now this or that and they watch you or they don't so to get them to get up buy a ticket pay for parking pay for food sit with crouch next to total strangers who they don't know who they may end up liking or may not like you know just it's an adventure leaving the house. You know, I know I don't like leaving my house. So it's got to be, you know, like I said, I don't get paid to wrestle. I get paid to leave my house. <laughs> well, unless it's for an Irish rural pub tour, right? That's a pretty damn good reason to leave your house. That and the Game of Thrones tour I did too, which is awesome. But, was uh, that was that down in New Zealand or was that also in? Uh... I, that was Northern Ireland. Oh, that was, I'm thinking of Lord of the Rings. Other, yeah. other nerd thing. Sorry. Yeah. They filmed uh, Double Dragon, <laughs> uh, not Double Dragon, uh, du- Dungeons and Dragons or something like that. The new Dungeons and Dragons. I'd, I'd go wherever they filmed Double Dragon, man. That'd be awesome, right? <laughs> Streets of Rage style. That'd be cool. <laughs> so with all these people looking to, to break out, because you're right, it is like, in a lot of ways, as you described, it does seem a lot harder right now just because yeah. of how big the business is. And the business is big right now, right? With like Collision yeah. coming out, now we have wrestling virtually six nights a week, almost seven when you throw in pay-per-views and whatever major indie events are, are trying to occupy that Sunday space. So almost seven nights a week. Do you worry that the, the business is getting too big or do you think that there's still a lot more room uh, for, for it to grow kind of as it is moving right now? Um, 
it can't be too big. It could be too long. Hmm. You know, like a three hour raw is, is tough to digest. It's like, like when you're trying to eat the 10 pound cheeseburger, you get that t-shirt and that lasts three bites. And you're like, Oh, here comes the third hour of raw. Jesus Christ. It's still okay. You know, it's just it, TV should be wrestling. TV should be like 90 minutes to an hour. You know, Memphis had the perfect, you know, time, time pace. 90 minutes was pretty good. You know, you know, uh, you always want people wanting more and not wishing it was over. There's nothing worse than watching a wrestling show. And on the final three count of the final match, people are putting on their jacket. <laughs> it just, I, I, got I, don't know. I got my money's worth. <sighs> Like, did you did you see that Ring of Honor TV card they put out like a week ago that had like seventeen matches? That's what they're doing over there on our the Honor Club at the moment right now. It's oh. wild, man. Tony's doing some long shows right now. I, I'm a big fan of some of the things that AEW does, but yeah, long cards, man. It is it is a long night, so especially when you you got to go do the media scrum for two hours. That is a long night for certain people in that building, you know. Just uh, pro re- <clears throat> pro wrestling shows or events should be a part of somebody's evening. It shouldn't be the whole evening. And what I think a lot of wrestling promoters miss out on is the opportunity to have like an after event, like an after party, you know, seven o'clock to nine 30, come watch our pro wrestling 10 o'clock till whenever come out to such and such or stay in the building. And we're going to have a post-show party where you get to hang and have a vip experience with the the wrestlers you know uh plenty of times i would do shows where they're like all right come back you know whoever the sponsor was it was a restaurant come to the restaurant meet the stars of the show you just watched and then that way when you get to meet the fans like after every ecw show people knew to go to the travel lodge they were drinking beers with us hanging with us and making personal connections so when you came out to wrestle next time they instantly wanted to support you mm-hmm. you know now, this I was is for- really really good advice by the way for anybody listening right now this is like maybe some of the best promoting advice ever given in a, in a interview i've done so thank you dude i will give advice all day <laughs> there's there's things that work right you, you don't need to reinvent fucking wrestling no it's 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 a simple equation and if you stick to it you'll be successful and you'll grow your business and if you don't do it you'll still draw the same hundred fans every month or every week when you wrestle, but you, you have to make connections between the, the performers and the fans. What do fans, you, what, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I, I didn't mean it. I, I no fans, fans want to have that connection. And that's why it drives me up a wall. Sometimes when I watch wrestlers, they do something and then it's on to the next move. All you have to do is give a, a wrestling fan a simple, And they'll want to be a part of that match. You know, you just look at a fan, you know, you know, you know, uh, if I'm here, I just go. And the fan wants to go, yes, and connect with you and uh, talk to the guy they see on on TV every week. But if you do the move and you're up and you're doing just simple things to connect with the fans and make them feel like they're a part of something which pro wrestling gives you that you don't get in any other format entertainment. If you go to a theater, they tell you to shut the fuck up and don't, inter- don't interfere with the performance or they'll throw you out. 
TV. You can yell the TV all you want. They ain't going to interact. Pro wrestling, we can interact with folks. And there's there, there's a fine line between interacting and then just, oh, please cheer for me kind of thing, you know? Just, it's a, it's a balance. So one of the, in, on that, because you're, you're talking largely about like that baby face connection, but like the heel connection is something I've been wondering more about, especially with like this new, I feel very old saying this, but like this new wave of heels where I feel like there's like a, like, you the, the the vibe I get with a lot of people right now trying to be heels like MJF is you can just be a real dick, like just be a genuine asshole where you're just mean to people, right? And I was not brought up being taught to get that kind of heat. That was the kind of heat I was taught makes people not want to come back, right? Like the kind of heat that I was taught to get is more like the heat Dominic Mysterio gets, which is just, <laughs> I mean, just being real, right? Like the, it's, you know, you're the kind of guy that's just, Weasley, right? You're not out there telling people you're you're an asshole, and then they go, "Well, f you." And then right now you're in that dynamic. You're coming out and you're just doing dickish things, and people judge you as an asshole, and then boo you as such, right? Right. I, I don't know if that resonates with you, where you where you see kind of heels now, is especially on the indies, and I guess on television too, moving into this kind of area. I, I don't know if it's cheap heat, bad heat whatever kind of heat i don't know if what i'm saying makes sense to you kind of deal the best heels are the people who cheat and the fans know they don't need to cheat they know you're a good enough wrestler you shouldn't need to cheat but you cheat anyway and the best heels are the guys who always play victim mm-hmm. you know i'm a victim uh you know even though i caused a problem it's it's not my fault kind of thing you know uh and if and if the fans are going, man, he's a great heel. Are you really a great heel? It's like, it's, a, it's like you know, um, you know, if oh, so so he's such a great heel. Well, he can't be that great if heel if he if you know he's a heel. You should be going, oh, that's so and so. He's a son of a bitch, man. Are I, we talking specifically about Max right now? Are we talking specifically about MJF? Because I kind of was because he was getting cheered coming out at, at double or nothing by a lot of people right and whenever i say to people the dominic max comparison there's people that get really angry and they're like no he's a very good heel he's the best heel and i'm like you're making my point to me right now when you're yelling me this at me this bad me you know i love max i do too he's talented he's a good looking dude mm-hmm. no shame in saying i good looking dude. he's doing fantastic like the, the transformation he's doing with his body is fantastic sometimes a little, some things could be too much just like over the top just um but it's again it's finding that balance but then yeah. again he's on tv and i'm not so <laughs> what the fuck do i know i but, guess i don't know i watch him in the scrums where he's just screeching at people and he's just ripping on everything and like again he's not a victim right he's very much on like the power stance like i don't even need this i'll quit and leave and go home and go to like I don't know, it's just not the way I was taught to be a heel. Well, yeah, if somebody said I I don't need to be here. Okay, go bye. Bye. Yeah. Right. You know, but uh, no, I'm not. He's very talented. He's very witty. He can go. Yeah, you know, I I heard him on the the Marin podcast, and uh, you know, Marin's one of my favorite comedians. You know, they were going having a little tit for tat. That was pretty good. Uh, very talented. But like, if you want to be a, a a heel it's got to be people who want wanting to jump the guardrail you know just you know 
find a reason to make people hate you just by uh, it, like if you have that coworker at work who's always messing up and uh, always holding up the production and then they turn around and go well why don't you do this well why why do i do this why don't you do your job <laughs> like, like, that kind of fucking heat now that, that's heat you know just it's a simple uh equation you know uh yeah, the the way I was always told, the best advice I was ever given in regards to like the kind of right presentation of a heel is like you want to look at you want to give the vibe of somebody's boss that they really hate, right? Like you want to be that guy that when you walk into the room that that person goes, "Shit, he's here! I can't believe it!" You know, like that was that was always the way I was taught to get it. So, and now again, I'm getting old manny right now. But anyway. Yeah, it's just it's uh, and again, it's the connection. You could just. You know, if to be a heel, just look at somebody. Right. And the secret to, you know, facial expressions is saying fuck you without saying fuck you. Like, I can look at you and say fuck you. I go, fuck you. Now, I'll say fuck you without saying fuck you. Right. Say it with your eyes. And by the way, for anybody listening to this in podcast form, just imagine me and I looking at each other really intently right now. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so wait. uh, As we're talking good storytelling and things like this, is the bloodline, is this the best thing that wrestling, is this the best storyline wrestling's ever done? Is the bloodline stuff or no? Yeah. Pretty good, right? Uh, The the Usos need a, I mean, I wish wish wrestling got Emmys. Because, you know, the the Usos are, they're, they're so, it's, it's like, Un, not underrated. I, I think I don't know if it's underappreciated, but they've been the heartbeat of this whole thing. I mean, Sammy's great too. Everything Sammy went through, but it was also the you know, the conflict within the Usos of trying to you know, and you know, when Sammy, you know, finally you know, you know, kicked you know, hit uh, Roman, they're just like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then you know, this last week they you know finally had fed up and super kicked. Roman, what do you do? Just you can feel the 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 pa- the passion is ta- it's tangible. We've all felt that where we watched a friend do something, do something. You're like, oh my god, why did you just do that? You know, kind of thing. And just now, I haven't seen this past roll, so I don't know if they've done a. Did no, a- there was no follow up. They're waiting. For, they're holding it for SmackDown. Thank God. I'm really glad they didn't do it immediately. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that that whole bloodline thing's been fantastic. And I like that there's a long title. I like the title reigns mean more now, not like a hot potato situation like it was, you know, in the Attitude Era. You know, uh, you know, I, I was just looking through some of my old footage, and I realized when I was in WWE, I had three intercontinental matches with three different champions within the – course of a couple months i wrestled i wrestled jeff Jarrett for the intercontinental belt i wrestled godfather for the intercontinental belt and then i just i totally forgot i know i wrestled val venus but i did, i forgot he was intercontinental champion when i wrestled him oh well there you go i was about to say i knew he held the title because i think i had the action figure with val in the ic title yeah yeah right. Weird but, uh, things that are and there. i helped gold us win the intercontinental championship uh the night after wrestlemania just the people you named i can like i I know that exact sliver in time in which that happened so i'll ask you a controversial question here then 
Do you think oh, it was a good idea? I know. Do you think it was a good idea that Roman Reigns beat Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania? At the time, I was like wanting Cody to win because if you just listen to that crowd, sometimes the crowd tells you when it's, when it's the right time. But, um, and I'm going to go into the, the Brock thing too. I think this is going to go lead up to all the way up to the next WrestleMania. And I think this side thing with Brock, I think ultimately, in my opinion, sitting here, amateur bo- armchair booker, uh, I'm sitting here thinking that this whole Brock thing is him toughening up, toughening up Cody to beat Roman. It's, it's like a tough love kind of thing where he turned on Cody. He's going to beat up Cody. So when Cody's done fighting him, he'll be ready to beat Roman. Kind mm. of if, if there's like a little Easter egg last week with Ali in the uh, thing where he said, get a life, kid. God damn. Yeah. That was so good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love Ali. And I know everyone's like, oh, they buried him. I'm like, that's hilarious. That's a moment. We'll live forever. I'm sorry. It, I, I, yeah. Yeah. You're on. You're having a moment with Brock. You're not getting buried. No, no. Remember when they buried Daniel Bryan, but he was on TV with Triple H and Stephanie every week. Yeah. Yeah. Bury me like that. I'll hand you the fucking shovel. Uh, <laughs> buried. You're on fucking. T- if they want to bury you, they don't put you on TV. They make yeah. You- the best way to bury is to make people forget you. You know. Mm-hmm. That's how you bury people. Leave them off TV. But I think this whole Brock thing, Brock and because they never said why. Brock just turn on Cody like that. I think eventually, in my mind, and if somebody in creatives watching have it come out that Brock did it as tough love because Brock legally isn't allowed to challenge for the title anymore. So what better revenge for Brock on Roman to prepare Cody to beat Roman for the belt? I think it's great. I think it makes a lot of sense. That's for sure. You know, I'm still I'm I, I'm still waiting to see how the winds blow here over the next six months in AEW land. Because I think Cody, with his EVP buddies uh, at, at his back, to to even the odds with the bloodline, very compelling. And uh, I don't know. Is that I mean, possible? I, do you think? Well, you know, tough than I am. So eh, I, I just, you know, it doesn't seem like there's been any movement between, you know, the elite and Punk, and I haven't gotten the vibe that there is going to be anytime soon. And it's a very weird situation. I mean, look, you you were involved in obviously one of the most public hatchet burials of all time with JBL. Yeah. You know, uh, I'd love Ooh, to see I, cooler I, heads prevail, but if they don't, I don't know what's going to happen here at the end of the year. You know, just being honest. You know, beating down Punk's door and him fighting is like the least dramatic thing I could ever think of in professional wrestling when I've seen some rough shit, you know, happen in a locker room between two people and then they go on to have a match. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of an anomaly a little bit where, you know, if, if they can't work it out I, again, I just, I don't know where it goes from there. If they can't work it out, it's very different. It doesn't usually happen in wrestling like this. Yeah. When you, when you start a, a wrestling company, you should hire lawyers to be in the office, not professional wrestlers. <laughs> Good advice. Um, while we were talking bloodline, I know we've got a little over here. And I don't want to take too much more of your time. Um, Paul Heyman, is doing incredible work right now. Um, we put over everybody else in this situation. Obviously, with uh, WWE going to Philly for Mania 40 here, 
some people are going to go into the Hall of Fame, right? BWO would be great. But is this is it too early to put Paul into the Hall of Fame, you think? Would this be a good setting, or would you hold off on it? Uh, you could probably p- want to put him in, but I don't think Paul would be ready to go in yet. No? Just, just knowing Paul, I don't think he would want to do it yet. I, To me, Paul always seems like the kind of guy that his best work has yet to come. So, and as accomplished as Paul has been, you know, geez, I mean, he started when he was as a teenager and ring announcer and interview guy and manager and advocate and company running the company and making stars, you know, the guy who's made so many stars to him. I don't think his, in his mind, his job is, is, is still going. It's, it's yet to be complete. And I think, you know, the, you know, I, I heard, you know, the, the only pro, Paul, pro, Paul Heyman's only problem is there's there aren't enough hours in the day to be more creative. So uh, I think they would offer to him, but I don't know if he would accept it. I okay. think he would say, hey, maybe a little bit longer down the line. But, you know, hopefully when Mania comes to uh, Philly, they, there's an, a nod to ECW. Uh, that's my wish just because. Past WrestleMania is when they've gone to a certain town, they've honored the legacy of the territory from that era. And last time WrestleMania was in Philly, ECW was still functioning. It was still a company. So, you know, now that, you know, ECW is no longer, ECW is defunct. They're back in Philly and uh, they could pay a little bit of tribute to, you know, the, the, to me, the promotion that inspired the attitude era. They're, yeah. they're one of their biggest errors. Yeah, who are a couple names you think should go in if there is an ECW class? Because I think I and a lot of people are expecting a little bit like of an extreme class this oh. this coming mania. Dreamer, uh, to me, Dreamer. He was the the heart and soul of ECW. Uh, he was the uh, if wrestling had a union, he would have been our union boss. <laughs> you know, if yeah, had- man, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be awesome right now? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Anyway, just saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, he he was the go-to. Like, hey man, if you were frustrated, you could call, you could talk to Tommy, vent, and know everything between you and him stayed with you and him, and when he would give you a solution to the problem, or if he thought maybe it was worth going to Paul and talking, he would go to Paul and talk on your behalf, and there was no heat for doing it because he was the uh, he was the uh, the sounding board. For a lot of the wrestlers, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, if you're going to, I mean, I mean, Dreamer definitely needs to go in the Hall of Fame. Okay, good pick. Uh, and I didn't even think about bringing it up, but yeah, man, Sabu was even back in action this weekend. What did you think of him jumping uh, through a table here at Double or Nothing? Were you? I love Sabu. Um, <laughs> I guess it, I guess it doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt that he lives in Vegas. So, um, but you know, anytime Sabu could get his roses. I'm all for it. Uh, he was a huge part of uh, my career. Training with Al and uh, Sabu started running shows. He wanted a lot of wrestlers that, you know, other people weren't using. And he wanted his cards to look different. So he used a lot of Al's students and he would have me on the show. And um, he did a thing. We did a thing where uh, I had a ma- uh, loser gets his head shaved match for his show. And uh, him and Paul Heyman ran out and shaved my head. So I went to ECW. Paul Heyman's like, look at me. Uh, you look familiar. Why do I know you? And I was like, uh, 
he shaved my head. He's like, yeah, yeah. And he realized I was that kid that he shaved his head that like, if I'm willing to shave my head on an indie show that I'm dedicated to the business enough to do whatever in ECW. And that's all because Sabu uh, thought of something to use. Sabu doesn't hold shit back. He'll, he'll say what he, you know, if he thinks, he think if he thinks you suck, he'll say you suck. So the fact that he put me on the shows meant a lot. And when I went to UCW, you know, he was a, another sounding board as well. So, Can I also just say that you do maybe the best Paul Heyman impression of anybody I've ever heard do a Paul Heyman impression. It's just spot on. Thank you, sir. Thank, thank you. It's the upward inflection that you've nailed. I would have mm, SNL quality kiss <laughs> <laughs> so anyway watts is a piece of shit that's my point oh. banger finish meanie thank you we'll do this again down the road my friend uh, uh is there anything that you want to plug promote put over here before we wrap it up today uh no i am not playing with my dolls <laughs> but uh if you would like to buy these sharp looking action figures uh old school blue meanie bwo go to Let me see. I got my readers on. Uh, This is great for podcasting. Uh, Go to figure collections, uh, shop.figurecollections.com and get yourself, uh, you know, the Blue Meanie uh, Bone Crushing Wrestler Series 1 variants. Uh, They're available now, again, at shopfigurecollections.com. You can follow me on all forms of social media at Blue Meanie BWO. Uh, Go to presslentees.com slash Blue Meanie. Get yourself a lovely little BWO shirt. Uh, and uh, just follow me. Feel free to uh, interact. Like I say, let's make that connection on social media. So <laughs> sounded uh, oddly sexual the way you said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cute Careless Whispers by Wham. You know, just. Uh... <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, that's that's the most important part in pro- professional wrestling. Make the connection, whether you're a heel or a baby face. It's not that fucking hard. It's hard to do, but once you figure it out and that light bulb goes off over your head, you'll be like, ah, that aha moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are we done? I don't know. Are we, is that, are we ending it on that? Because that was really yeah. good. I just didn't know if you were just like. Nah. It's also kind of, again, a little sexual. Like the way, <laughs> you, the way you talk, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. We're done. <laughs> Thanks, Meanie. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs>